In the little towns and villages, there are no minorities. People are not numerous enough. Every man is himself a class. Every hour carries its new challenge. When you pass the inn at the end of the village, you leave your favorite whimsy behind you, for you will meet no one who can share it. From William Butler Yates. Good morning, everyone. I'm Rob McCall. This is the Awanajo Almanac, a collection of natural and unnatural events, rank opinion, and wild speculation devoted to feeling at home in nature and breaking down the wall of hostility between us and the rest of civilization. I mean, of creation. And this is the Almanac for August 3rd to 10th, 2012, the full sturgeon moon. And this is uh, about civilization. This is the small town report. Our little town is celebrating its 250th anniversary this week. Thank heavens we're not making a huge production of it. Small towns leave little room for bombast or posturing. We know each other so well that there's no point in trying to pretend we're anything but what we are. We're not impressed with credentials or reputations gained elsewhere. We're impressed with hard work and dedication to our town and its values. There's a healthy conservatism about small-town life that honors not any political ideology, but the way things have long been done. The earliest cities appeared about 6,000 years ago, but ancient village remains unearthed recently date back nearly 20,000 years and there were surely countless villages far older that left no evidence. This means that we humans have far more experience living in villages and small towns than in cities. And we've learned by heart the essentials of social survival on this finer scale. So a certain amount of conservatism is healthy when it preserves this hard-earned ancient wisdom. Nevertheless, change is going to happen but it can be changed for the better or changed for the worse. Too much change can cause people to lose the moorings of their heritage and history. But too little change can cause them to lose their heart and hope and to dwindle and die in the prison of the past. Villagers can avoid these dangers by being mostly generalists, not specialists. They may have their own favored trade, but they know many. Around here, this means seasonal work like fishing, blueberry raking, hunting, tipping, wreath making, working in the woods, and then fishing again. It means knowing a lot about a lot of things and a little about everything. The late Raymond Robertson, aged 85, was only half joking when he said to me once, Rob, I used to know just about everything but I've forgotten most of it. This sort of communal knowledge also means that the information needed for survival is not the property of a few. It is open source. That is, it is constantly being reviewed and corrected and can be added to by anyone who is respected for what they do. The source of knowledge is practical experience rather than study. And that gives small-town knowledge an advantage, which is, it works. New knowledge, once it passes this test, is readily adopted. 
A few of the elders in most small towns will have a huge volume of knowledge about the place, and if they don't know something, they know someone who does. What we call gossip, or the grapevine, is really a living body of information that grows and changes. At the post office, the job site, the hardware store, the town hall, the lumber yard, the hairdresser, the market, and wherever people gather. Fishing, building, farming, gardening, animal care, treatment of sickness and injury, cooking, preserving, pruning, who is trustworthy and who is not. Volumes of knowledge are available to the respectfully inquisitive villager. At its best, this small town knowledge is like a living thing, practical, resilient, self-correcting, growing, and evolving. And unlike a living thing, it may live nearly forever. Though you must know by now that your commentator has a raging, if not blinding, bias in favor of small towns, I'm not going to declare here that small town life will one day save civilization, because that might prove to be a fantasy. On the other hand, it might prove to be true. And I will say that our small towns, our caretakers, have a rich heirloom seed bank of viable human values that will one day be available to inoculate and heal the diseases of venality, violence, materialism, and meaninglessness, which have infected the rest of the world body and are making it mortally ill. Many have found a calling to labor daily in local agricultural, churches, schools, and town government. In these small nurseries of human well-being, our truest insurance into the future. When all is said and done, there can be no more fair and fitting thing than this to do with your skills, your education, your gifts, your one mortal life, and your one immortal soul. Finally, a couple of seed pods for you to carry around with you this week. First from the prophet Isaiah. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And from Psalm 16, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Well, that's the almanac for this quarter moon, but don't take it from me. Go out and see for yourself.